0: Near Death I'd like to welcome to the show John J Davis. Hey doing, John. Hey Alex, I'm doing great. It's so good to see you.
1: Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I've been really looking forward to our conversation cuz I mean, I've spoken to uh probably around 40 or 50 near near death experiencers at this point, but you your story, your near death experience is uh easily one of the most detailed uh of any out there. So it's really I'm really really looking forward to diving in. But before we dive in, I always like to ask this question. What was your life like prior to your near-death experience?
0: Prior to that, I was just, I was raised a Catholic. And same here. I was so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was, and my dad, uh, he loved to go to church. And we would go to church sometimes two or three days a week. And then on Sundays also. So I was inundated with Catholicism. And before I had my NDE, I had never had, any experiences of any kind other than Catholicism. I was 21 at the time and I was considering whether or not going to college, going to school, and I the last thing on my mind was spirituality. I was I had a hard time understanding Catholicism because the, the big thing that I had a hard time with was the the fear of God that they put in you. You were supposed to fear God. Right. And I, I never really I never really got that. So after I had my near-death experience, my entire life changed that way in terms of spirituality and my views of religion. Like I have a hard time considering myself to be a Christian, but I love Jesus. And I, I read the New Testament all the time, but I have a really hard time with the Christian dogma. So that's what my life was like before. I'm um, just very much, much more materialism, more interested in what I was supposed to do with my life because I really had no clue at that point. Mm-hmm. So this this NDE made a huge difference for me and it gave me a solid direction to pursue. And ever since then, I have been sharing my story. And something I'll, something I'll mention to you too is, you know how when you hear other people's near-death experiences, a lot of times, they come back with some kind of a gift like maybe the person is maybe they have some psychic abilities or i heard of one guy who was able to compose music or they can well i didn't have anything like that but the only thing i i did have was and i think this has to be a god thing i was given 100 percent memory recall of everything i saw so my experience happened in 1987 but to, when I tell the story, it's like I see everything just like as if it happened yesterday. That's why I'm able to remember so many details. So I, I think that was just a gift that was given to me so I could share my story to people and, and help, help them and, and give them hope there's so much more than what we see here on earth.
1: Well, my friend, I am here to help you get the word out. So let's dive Excellent. in. Let's dive sure. in. So, tell, so, what happened on the day that you, uh, you had your near death experience?
0: Yeah. Well, I was, I was, my, my dad had won a sales contest and he won two mopeds. And it's kind of like like scooters or mopeds. They call them scooters now, but we used to ride those on the weekends. So, one day I was out riding and I had an accident and I slammed into a tree. And the way I landed, I tore the tendons off my right hand and I had, to, I had to go in to have surgery. Well, I was 21. I had never been in surgery before. I didn't know what to expect. I had probably been in a hospital just a handful of times, not very often. So I had no idea what was going to happen. So they gave me the IV and they start to, to pump in the anesthesia. And I had some kind of an allergic reaction and it stopped my heart and i died well th- the very second that i died i opened my eyes again and i was standing in the most beautiful building i had ever seen and my very first thought was oh my god i had no idea the hospital was this big because this th- the building that i was in it was a long long corridor building is and I couldn't see the end of it it was so long and there were columns on the right hand side marble beautiful white marble columns maybe 30 feet high all the way down as far as you could see and they were about 5 or 10 feet apart in the middle of this corridor like building were these marble tables just regular marble rectangle or kind of square tables and there were marble benches on every single table and these tables went as far again as far as you could see and the most amazing part was what was to my left to the left of this building again were like a mar- marble all made of white beautiful pristine marble there were these tunnels that looked like they were cut out of solid marble and and they they were they corresponded to each table. So there was a, a marble column, then a table, then these tunnels. And again, they went as far down as you could see. Each tunnel was maybe five feet apart and it was seven or eight feet high. And it looked like it would have been carved out of, the, out of the marble, solid 90 degree angles like you have in a doorway. Well, I need to tell you something else that happened here. This will, look, this will kind of help me explain how this process worked. At that point, right then, I heard a voice in my left ear and it said, my name is Alan, I'm your spirit guide. Well, I had no idea what, what that meant. So I, I just went through this whole process. And what happened is my spirit guide took me to every place that I'm going to describe for your audience. And he took me to the outside first of every building. And then he took me to the inside and I like to tell people so they can have a kind of a visualization. This building that I was in looks like a temple in Turkey, the country Turkey, and it's called the temple of Artemis and it's A-R-T-E-M-I-S. So if your listeners want to Google it, they can Google it and see kind of what I, what I was shown. That's what this building looked like. So anyway, Everything I'm going to tell you guys, it's from what my guide was telling me. He told me everything I was seeing and what it was for. Well, this building that I was in, he told me this is the orientation center. And what's what's kind of different about my experience, have you ever, you probably heard a lot of typical near-death experiences where the person says that they had an accident or they were in the hospital and they found themselves floating above their bodies, then they become aware of a tunnel. And at the end of the tunnel is a white light. Well, my experience, I, for some reason, I skipped all of that. And they took me to the other side of that white light. And what's on the other side of the white light, as soon as somebody walks into it, they're on—they're in this orientation center. And they come through these, these tunnels that were on my left, the tunnels connect people with earth to the other side. So when their lifetime is finished on earth, they cross through these tunnels and they end up on the other side. So somehow these tunnels are connected to earth and I I don't know how it all works, but that's how people get to the other side. So he, my guide told me to look to my left at at the next tunnel. So I looked to my left and there was a gentleman coming through he was probably in his eighties or nineties and he had just finished his life. And he was, he had his right hand holding his chest like he was in pain. And my guide said he died from a heart attack. So he's coming through the tunnel and at these tables that i mentioned, there are two people sitting at each table on the other side. And my guide said they are orientation counselors So their job is to help orientate people back to the other side. And the reason they have them is oftentimes when people come into life, somehow, and I think this is a God thing also, because I I don't understand how it works, but when we come into a lifetime, our memory gets washed about the other side, where we're from, because we're not from Earth. Earth is just a place of learning and growth and developing your soul but our real home is on the other side, where some people like to call it heaven, some people call it the afterlife. And so, help people remember where they're really from. So the woman, there was a woman at the table I was looking. She stood up, she walked over to this man and she took her hands in his, and she led him back to the table and they sat down. The entire time she was talking to him, she was holding his hands. And my guide said, Watch him. So as I was watching him, his appearance began to change, from a man who was in his eighties or nineties to a man who was in his thirties. And nobody told me why the age, why the thirties. But for whatever reason, we're in our thirties, and I, I don't know if it has to do with that was the age that Jesus died. I you know I I have no idea but we're we're in our thirties. So that's what happens during the orientation. They just talk to them about where they're from. You finished your lifetime. Here you are back on the other side now. But when he was done with that, he stood up and he walked to the right and he stepped down three steps. Everybody steps, everybody's, they have columns between these orientation areas. So he stepped down and he walked into what I call the gardens because it was the most beautiful gardens you could ever imagine. They they were like English gardens, just beautifully manicured and the most beautiful trees and flowers. And what I remember the most was the grass. The grass was absolutely emerald green, just gorgeous. And what happens is the reason that they go into the gardens when they cross over is that's where they have the reunions. Everybody that they've known in their lifetime, friends, loved ones, family, you know, cousins, grandparents, everybody is there waiting for them when they cross over and they have a reunion. And it's a big deal when somebody comes back from a life on Earth. It's a huge deal because what I was told is that Earth, this planet is the hardest of all of them. And I'll, I'll get to that for your audience in just a minute. But they have reunions and they welcome people back. And it's, it's a really huge, big deal. So that was the first place he took me to was the orientation center. And I think that he wanted to show me how the process actually works. You, you, know, you die, your body dies when it's your time to go. You go into the tunnel, go past the light, you're in orientation, you have an orientation session, then you meet with your family and relatives. So that was the first part. The next place he took me to was this building was square or I guess it was kind of rectangular square and it had columns, beautiful white marble columns all around the outside of it. And I don't know why a lot of the places that he took me to look like Greek buildings, but they do. And the other side, that's not all that's there. The other side is, think of it like another planet, kind of like Earth, but it's perfect. There's no wars, there's no poverty, there's no hunger, there's no disease. It's just a perfect world, what the other side is like. And the place that he took me to was just one specific area. So the next thing he took me to, he said he was going to take me to a life review. And you and your audiences have, have probably heard that before. Mm-hmm. And it was a, this rectangle building, and we went inside, and it was around... Really large, large, round room. And on the top were these screens, like movie screens, all in a circle around the top. And he said, this is your life review. And all of a sudden, the, the screens lit up like they were playing movies, like, it, like I was in a the theater. And every screen that I could see had a different aspect of my life. One was playing when I was just a, a newborn. Another one was playing when I was an infant. Another one was playing when I started elementary school. And it went all the way through these. Every screen had a different aspect of my life up to the age that I was then, age 21. And that was a life review. And what you do in a life review, the whole idea is to see if you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish before you came into life none of us are accidents, none of it's random. We all actually plan our lifetimes. And I'll I'll get to that in just a, a little bit too. So that was the life review. The next thing he took me to was kind of a square building. Again, it had marble columns on the outside. And this part was really hard for me to, to digest because I was raised Catholic. But he took me to a building and it was another, it looked like a theater just like the last one in the life review, But this one had one screen, like, like what our movie theaters look like. And what he was showing me was past lifetimes. And this was really hard for me to accept because I, I had never been raised that way. But we actually do have past lifetimes because we're eternal beings. You can have as many lives if you, as you want to. So anyway, he wanted to show me three different lifetimes so that I would be able to tell people when I came back that, you know, just like your audience, life past lifetimes really are real. And you learn from them just like you learn in this life. Well, he showed me three of them. And one, I was, I was a monk and I had a shaved head. I was probably in my 60s. I was wearing a red kind of a gown. And my job in that life was to teach kids about the monastery kind of like, kind of like being a Buddhist monk. The next life he showed me was I was a shoe peddler in this village and I had a wheelbarrow and it was full of shoes. And my job in that life was I fixed people's shoes and I'd fix them, take them back to my little shop, fix them and bring it back to the, to the people. The other life he showed me was a fisherman. I had a little raggedy boat and I was on a lake and I had a net. And my job in that life was to help the village um, with food by bringing in fish, so that whole episode was to just show me that the past lifetimes are real because we're we are infinite beings where there's no end to knowledge there's no end to learning and you just you learn your for your entire existence and one of the things that I, I thought was so interesting is that we come into life because we want to experience hardship because that's where we learn not not all the time do we come into experience hardship but if you didn't want to experience anything you would stay on the other side and you still learn that way but it's like trying to describe to somebody what it's like to ride a bike you really can't describe what it's like and they have to actually do it And once they do it then they get it and that's kind of like why we come in here to learn so we do have a lot of different past lifetimes. The next place he took me to, this one was a little bit different. All of these buildings were just enormous. I I, I can't even just to iterate how large they were, but they were all just enormous. And this one was round. It was round and it had the marble columns going around in a circle. And it had a dome roof. And we walked in and he took me to a marble table, and the table had two scrolls on it. And if you can imagine what papyrus, papyrus scrolls look like, they look, mm-hmm. look kind of like that. They were rolled up, and there were two. One had a blue ribbon, and the other had a red ribbon. I don't, I don't know what the, what the significance was of that, but so I, I picked up the one with the blue ribbon, I, un, I unwrapped it, and I unfolded it on the table. And immediately I could see all of this writing, and it was in black lettering, and it looked, like in, it looked like it was in calligraphy. You know how you take those pens and you dip them in ink, and then you write with that? That's, that's what calligraphy is. It looked, it looked like that. Well, when I went to try to read it, it folded up again, and I was told that I wasn't able to read about my life because it might interfere with what I was going to accomplish in this life. And what they wanted me to learn and to share was that our lifetimes really are planned out. We plan what country we're gonna live in. We plan what language we're gonna learn, who our parents are. Are we gonna go to college or not? What kind of career are we gonna have? All of that stuff goes into it, as well as what we wanted to learn and accomplish and what our goals were. And that's what the life review was to show you that, you know, you really do have goals and you wanna see how you did. So everybody has these scrolls and they're all kept in these in, in this beautiful round building. And I don't know why, but we always go to this building to plan our next lifetime and our guides help us. Our guides help us plan what we wanna accomplish. Do you wanna learn more about compassion? Do you want to learn more about love, or these are the main themes that people have when they come into a life. What do you want to accomplish? And you plan them in this, in this huge building. Well, when I looked to my left, there was this enormous window. And I looked out and I could see, and this is the first time that I saw a bunch of other people. A bunch of people were walking back and forth along this walkway. And wherever he took me to on the other side, it was it was really busy. There were tons of people walking back and forth, and every race was there, every ethnicity, every color. people were short, some people were tall, they looked just like we do. and what I noticed immediately was that everybody had bodies some Some people that I've read about say that we only are like or energy that we float around and, but that's not what my experience was like. I saw everybody just like you see people. Um, they look just like us, that their bodies are different. Their, their, their bodies are somehow, they're, they're better than our earthly bodies. They're stronger, they're lighter, they don't get sick, they don't age. And I don't know what they're made of, but they are as solid as we are. So I saw them walking back and forth and one of the most beautiful things I saw was there was a lake on the other side of this of this building. It was absolutely the most beautiful lake I'd ever seen. It was so still it looked like glass and all around this lake, they had weeping willow trees. You know those trees that have the weeping willows that, that hang over? all the leaves were just sitting in the water. It was just it was just gorgeous a picture picture perfect. And then he took me to another place inside this building and they wanted me to tell people about this. You've probably heard the term soulmates. Soulmates are actually real. We um when we when we were created, God created all of us with a perfect mate. It was with us for eternity. But the perfect mate that we have on the other side doesn't always come into a lifetime with us because one of the things that you learn in a lifetime, you learn from having relationships, whether it's a girlfriend, boyfriend, marriage, whatever it might be, you learn a lot. And if I look back in my life, the, the most, most of the things that I learned came from experiences that were kind of painful, but that taught me a lot. And on the other side, when you have your perfect mate, you don't always necessarily learn a whole lot that way. So we come into life normally without our soulmates. And here was a a really cool thing. This building, if if you could imagine a gigantic, enormous library of Encyclopedia Britannica's, all these books were on bookshelves and they were all the same color, kind of like maroon, kind of purplish maroon. And each one had gold lettering that wasn't going horizontal. It was going down. And what my guide took me to was my soulmate's book. And the books contain everything about our lifetimes, all of our past lifetimes, what we learned, who we became. Everything is in these encyclopedias. And the writing goes down, up and down. And my writing said n-i-n-a and it was nina my soulmate's name is nina and he just wanted to show me that everybody has one so don't always be so concerned about trying to find your soulmate in life because many times you won't because that person is still on the other side so that was this building it was absolutely just a gorgeous building and, and just beautiful The next place he took me to was a stadium, just like a football stadium or a soccer stadium. We go to, to see a sporting event. He took me to the inside. The inside had thousands of seats, just thousands of seats that people could sit in. But when I was there, it was completely empty. Nothing was in there at all. Just the seats and my guide. Well, there was a gentleman behind me, and his job on the other side was to run this building. Do you remember when you were a kid you used to go to the planetarium? Mm-hmm. remember what those were? Of course well yeah, where I was in a planetarium on the other side, but it was the it was huge humongous, just gigantic and the gentleman behind me. He ran this planetarium and he said, let's begin. So the lights went off, pitch black, and I sat down and he started showing me on on the ceiling. And What he said to me was, the first thing he said was, when you look at the stars, this is what you see. And what he was referring to was people on earth, people's perspective here, when we look at the stars, This is what we see. And he started showing our solar system, started showing the planet Jupiter, then Saturn, then Uranus, then Neptune, all of our solar system, including Earth and our sun. Then he said to me, when we look at the stars, this is what we see. And what he was referring to was everybody who is on the other side, their perspective And he said, well, when we look at the stars, this is what we see. And he started showing me first planet after planet, then dozens of planets, then hundreds, thousands, then millions and millions of planets. And he told me, there is far more life in the universe than you possibly know. And the cool part is that Earth is not the only only planet. There are millions of planets. And not just that, but we can have lifetimes on any of them. There are, on Earth, um, we've always thought that Earth is the only inhabited planet, but it's, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's not. And we can have lifetimes on other planets all over the universe. So that absolutely blew my mind. I, I love astronomy. In fact, I, um, I love it so much, I, I tried to take an astronomy class in, in college but i had to drop it because i i could not understand the math it was the trying to calculate distances from stars it was it was just too hard for me but i love astronomy and that was just such a extraordinary i think that was one of my favorite parts of my whole experience was that planetarium the next thing it took me to this building was a little bit different again it was a rectangle and it was so long. Again, I couldn't see the end of it, but it was the biggest building so far. And it didn't have columns on the outside. It only had columns, these marble white columns on the front. And it it looked like our Supreme Court building in Washington. It looked like that with the columns in the front. And it had a whole bunch of steps leading up to the top. Again, everything was white, beautiful marble. So it takes me inside and it's a library, and there's huge 30, maybe 30, 40-foot bookcases full of books all the way down as far as you could see. And again, it was full of people. People were studying at these different tables. People were talking to each other. There were people looking for books and just a huge library. And he took me to an area on the left-hand side of the library. And what they looked like, it was like looking, or like like rooms that you can study, study rooms off every. You know how libraries today have study rooms? Mm-hmm. That that's kind of what they looked like, maybe the size of a of a person's average bedroom. I walked over, and I looked in, and there was a woman who was. She had her back to me. She had jet black hair, jet black hair down to her waist, and she was wearing like a a purple gown or or a purple uh, robe of some kind. And she was looking at what we would call today as a, a really big flat screen TV mounted on the wall. And my guide said she was watching history. So I looked at what she was watching and she was watching a battle that took place between the Native American Indians the Plains tribes like the Lakota versus the U.S. cavalry. And he said she was watching this as it happened. I thought to myself, how is that possible? Because nobody, nobody had video cameras 200 years ago. How could she be watching something that was, that had happened? And he told me everything is recorded. And this, this has to be a God thing also because I have – I cannot comprehend how it's possible that everything is recorded, but it is. That's why when we have our life reviews, you're able to see everything about your life. It's somehow in, in God's mind, it's recorded.
1: Well, can I stop you for a second because yeah. you said something very interesting. You said that she was watching it as it was happening, but that was the past.
0: Yes. Yeah, Let me let me – Back up. it wasn't like she was watching it as it happened now she was watching it as it, as history happened
1: so, so she, she was she was basically watching a a, a documentary of of past event in yes. your in your current timeline in a time yes. period that was not capable of having any footage recorded
0: absolutely that's Got exactly it. correct yep exactly okay. so what I learned is that anything that you want to learn about whether it's a battle or someone in World War II or the Titanic sinking, anything that you wanna learn about, you can go to these rooms off the library and you can watch history as it really happened. There yeah. is such an, there's a, all of us are hardwired to wanna to learn. So the place that he took me to was a place that people learned. They They come to learn, to experience and to grow. And what's so cool about the other side is that anything you love to do on earth, you can do there. You can swim, you can hike, you can go to music festivals, you can paint, you can write, you can do anything that you love to do, you still do over there. So, and that was just the most extraordinary part for me. Well, let me ask you a question because everything you've been talking about
1: in your experience so far has very earthly ties. Mm-hmm. Meaning that there's obviously every everything from the buildings to what you're talking about now, it's all earthly based. We have all reference points to all of this. So my question to you is, are the things on earth built like things on the other side or is it vice versa because you are coming from earth and everything was constructed for you to be to be more comfortable and kind of customized for you and your experience? Or are we just inspired, like you said, books and libraries? These are all things that we you know, eventually designed here or were given that information here and auditoriums and screens and all this kind of stuff. So is it the chicken or the egg? <clears throat> what came
0: first in a sense? That's a great question. From what I was told, everything that's on the earth now was on the other side first. Okay. The idea of the pyramids right. was from the other side. The idea of these beautiful Greek Roman buildings, the architecture was so beautiful that the inspiration came from the other side. It was over there first. Then yeah. it came, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll mention that to you in a, in a couple minutes, something else that happened. Okay. So that, So that was the library. Here's the part that I think will answer your question better. He took me to a castle, and a castle just like in medieval Europe. They, they were built out of stone, beautiful, gorgeous stone. It was perfectly cut, just like the castles were back then, huge. And he told me to walk inside. So I walked inside, and immediately there was a gorgeous red, ornate carpet on the floor of the castle, and huge walls on my right and my left and there were life-size paintings of kings and queens and people of royalty who had lived in that castle and in and there were life-size paintings of what they looked like and also what they wore and in front of every single painting there was a podium and on the podium was a book And what it was, was that person's life was in that book. And the reason this castle existed, and there were many, many castles there, because they were on Earth. So what was on Earth is also replicated on the other side. And so if you wanted to learn about a particular time in Earth's history, not only could you go to libraries, but you could also go to places like this where you could see the structures of what it was like on Earth. And this, the book that was on each one of these podiums contained that person's life, everything about that person's life. So if you wanted to learn about King George, for example, you could go, you could look, go in his castles, you could see what he looked like, what the clothing was like, and then you could read about them. And something else, you know how a lot of these castles had those round stairwells that took you to the second floor? This castle had that too. And right about then, there was a woman that started walking down the staircase. She had strawberry blonde hair, and she was wearing kind of a peach-colored gown or a a tunic. Oh, something else that I forgot to mention. Everybody dresses however they want, but a lot of people like to wear gowns and tunics because they're the most comfortable, they said. But people wear jeans and T-shirts, whatever you want to wear. So she walks down. And she walks up to me, and she says, can I help you find anything? And Alex, I I still to this day kick myself because of what I said to her. Here I was on the other side. I'm supposed to be having surgery. What is going on? Well, instead of asking her that, you know what I said? I said, oh, no, thanks. I'm just looking. (laughs) That's that's You're not you a Walmart.
1: You're not in a Walmart, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> I thought, what in the world did I say that for? I could have asked her anything. Right. But I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't know what to say. Well, my guide told me that you know how people people have jobs on earth because they need to pay bills. You know, they've got mortgage, rent, utilities. You know, we all have to have money and we go to jobs. Well, the other side doesn't have that kind of economics. They, they work at things they love to do. And this girl, what she loved was this particular era of Earth's history. She was what we would call a scholar. So if you wanted to learn about this particular time, time period on Earth, you could go to these castles and, and read about or experience what it was like, or you can go to these viewing rooms that were in the library, or you can go and talk to someone like her who was an expert on that era of history. So that was just phenomenal. Anything you want to learn, yeah. But let me ask you
1: this, from, I mean, I, and again, from talking to so many near-death experiencers, the, and even spiritual uh, you know, masters and gurus about spirituality and ancient texts and things like that, the concept I heard was that there is a universal knowledge that people can tap into the universal knowledge. Like the library you were saying with everyone's lives sounds like the Akashic Records in a physical yeah. form, in one way, shape, or form. But we have the ability on the other side to tap into any information we might want or need to, or, or, or are interested in. Kind of like, you know, uh, quantum physics. Oh, here's quantum physics. It me explain everything to you. Uh, and you'll go, oh, I and, and and you couldn't articulate it, but you understood it all. You know, if someone explained it to you on the other side. So... It kind of is interesting what you're saying. Is like, it. I'm not sure how that meshes with what you're saying. So, have you have you talked to, or heard about that, or what's your feelings on that?
0: From your you know the, I had never heard the term at Kishik Records before, but so when I when I one time I was at an event and we were talking about that library that I saw, and I got the impression that everything you would ever wanna learn, study, read about was inside that library. And this person told me it sounds like you were inside the Akishic records. And the only thing that I can equate that with is that's God's knowledge. Everything was there, everything was in that building. But I I don't know about universal knowledge because all the other planets have their own evolutionary scheme also. Just like Earth, so I, I don't know if that library held all the information about the other worlds, or was that only about life on Earth? Mm. So that that I, I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. I, I don't know. It's interesting, yeah, because it's not like uh, when I've
1: heard these concepts of universal knowledge, it's they can access universal knowledge, but it's always in regards to the earthly realm. I've yeah. never heard anyone say, oh, we you want that advanced spaceship on planet B-75 uh, yeah. here? Like, I never heard that before. But yeah. I was just curious about that idea because, again, everything that you're saying is very Earth-like uh, in its yeah. experience. Yeah. And the way, I mean, you know, that was my biggest – one of my biggest questions I always ask for people from that go to the other side is, like, what do you do? Is there bars? Do they hang out between lives? Like, are yeah. there dances? And you're saying, no, you do whatever you want. You can go to music festivals So when you said music festivals, I'm like, so you mean to tell me there's concerts with uh, Michael Jackson, Prince, yeah. Elvis, you know. Jimmy,
0: Jimmy, Jimi Hendrix.
1: Jimi Hendrix, I mean, it's, it's a hell of a Woodstock going on on the other yeah. side. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then Mozart and Beethoven are there as well. Like, it's yeah. like.
0: And <laughs> in, in what they told me was like, it's it's like a Harry Potter experience for adults. Or it's a a paradise. It really is an absolute paradise. And there are a lot of people who don't want to come here because coming here is just so much different than what it's like on the other side. But people want to learn to – they want to learn. They want to grow. And so they do choose to come into lifetimes. And I I cannot wait to get back because you know who I want to meet? I want to meet Bruce Lee. Of course. I – I I was, you know, I I did a lot of martial arts, a lot of karate. I I would just, I would just love to meet him. And he said something that I have in one of my journals. He said, "There are no limits, only obstacles." I thought, wow, I I absolutely love that. And there are, there are just a lot of people I want to meet. I just can't wait to get back. And here's here's the last part. My guide took me to a field. And if you you can imagine the most gorgeous, beautiful, wildflower field you've ever seen. Golden hills, flowers. I mean, just beautiful. So he took me there. And then he left. My guide left. And I was just standing there by myself. And all of a sudden, a man showed up in front of me. And I could see his hair. He had brown hair. I could see his hands. I could see that he was wearing a white robe or a white tunic with a golden sash around the waist. And he had gold-colored sandals on that laced up his calves. And he was different than everybody else because I couldn't see his face. There was so much light or energy coming from him that I couldn't make out what he looked like. And my mind said to me, or or somebody said to me, this is Jesus. And he spoke to me. And he said, you must tell them there is no death. And right after he said that, I woke up back in the hospital. And I asked, and everybody was looking down at me. You know how they look at you when you're, what happened to this guy? I said, to the surgeon. I said, what just happened? Because I was trying to see if he could explain to me where I was, what was what, what just happened to me. And that's when I found out that I died. He said, we lost you. We lost you for seven minutes. And I, I couldn't believe it was only seven minutes because it, it seemed like it was an, an hour or more that I had this experience. And one thing I want to tell people that, more than anything, I want people to know that there is tremendous hope that because you lost somebody, you lost a friend, or God forbid you lose a child or you lose a spouse, they're not really gone. They're just in another place that we can't get to yet. But that when your lifetime is finished, you go back. And the strangest thing is that when you get back and you're with your loved ones again, it's like no time had passed because on the other side, there's no, there's no such thing as time like we have here. Right. And, and I don't know how to explain that any better, but a lifetime for them is like a month or two. Whereas for us, a lifetime can be 89 years or more so for them, when they leave, they they do grieve for us. But it's not the same as we grieve for them. Because from their perspective, we're going to be back in just a short while. So that was my experience. That was my whole near-death experience. and I just want your audience to know that there's hope. And there's so much more to look forward to. So much more than what we know. And God is real. Now... I, I want to go back for a second. When you were
1: in your life review room, did you feel the perspectives of both both yourself and somebody else during that experience? You, or was it you more?
0: Know few? You know what? I've, I have. I, I don't think there was enough time for them to show me that. But as part of your life review, you feel what other people feel. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you, like if you hurt somebody. You feel what that person felt, but I didn't actually experience that. I don't know why. I, I think maybe because I didn't have the opportunity to, to have a whole life review. They just wanted to show me that people do have life reviews, that they're, they're real. But each one of these places he, he took me to, it, it just seemed like it happened so quickly that there wasn't enough time. They just wanted to show me, you have to tell people what this is tell them that this happens tell them that this is real tell them that you know cuz this experience it wasn't for me it was for me to share it so i that's what i've been doing you know so, ever ever since so yeah. so i have
1: to ask you then you're 21 um yeah and in the 80s, is it 80s, I guess? Yeah, 80s? 1987, yep. So near-death experiences are all the rage. Everyone's talking about them in that time period. Uh, I'm being facetious. Nobody does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you say something like this publicly, you're pretty much, this guy's a loon. So yeah. what did you do with this information? When did you decide to come out of the closet, if you will? And then when you did, what did your like parents and friends and you know colleagues, what did they think about this?
0: You know, it's that's a that's a great question. It it took me the better part of a day and a half before I realized what had happened. And it was my mom. I told my mom what happened because I didn't I still at that time had no idea. I was very Catholic, um and I I just I just didn't know what had happened. Mm -hmm. And she gave me a book and I'm sure you've heard of this author named Raymond Moody. Sure. He wrote a book called Life After Life that was published in 1975. And I read through that a lot of it and I realized, oh my gosh, this is what really happened. And I made I made the uh the decision to start sharing my story shortly thereafter, but I got to tell you for 2 months afterwards when I, after I realized where I was, I went through a horrible suicidal depression for two months because, I mean, it was so bad. I I wouldn't get out of bed. That's how, because I, I could not believe that I would have to be here on this planet for another many, many years before it was my time to cross over. I just didn't see how could I make it here knowing what it's, what life is really like back home. And that took me a couple of months to realize, oh my gosh, John, how are you going to do that? Well, I, when I realized that okay, he didn't say, you know what, John, I would like you to go ahead and do this. Do you think you can do this with your lifetime? He didn't say that. He said, you must tell them there is no death. So right away, I started telling people, anybody that would listen. And it, I, I, I think for a long time, I just took it for granted that what I saw. But when I tell people, it, that's when I start to realize, you know what, John, you really did have a pretty remarkable experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of people's near-death experiences aren't that detailed. So it wasn't for me. It was for me to share it. And I, I don't know why they, they did that for me. I, I, don't, I still don't know because I'm not, I'm not Oprah. I'm not you. Right. I don't I don't I'm not I don't have a podcast. I don't have I don't even have a website. You know, I don't have anything like that. So if they wanted to get this message out, why wouldn't they give someone tell tell someone who had a huge audience? So I don't know. I I just try to share it whenever whenever I can. And now that my story is a little bit more public, I have the ability to share it with others. And hopefully my experience gives them the kind of hope That it gave me that there was so much more. God really exists. He actually he really and truly loves us. And and here's something else that I don't know how to explain either. It's just a God thing. But on the other side, you can feel how much God loves you and how much He cherishes you. On the on earth, we don't feel that. It's it's somehow like, I don't know if we're too far away or what it is, but we just don't feel it here. So on the other side, it's, I I just can't, I can't wait to get back and experience that. So all I've been doing in my life is trying to share it to anybody who'll listen.
1: Now, I mean, it sounds to me that obviously this was planned. You planned this prior to coming out. You're like, okay, you're gonna die at 21. You're gonna get this thing. This is part of your life plan as, as as it goes. Uh, at least it makes sense that's the case. Yeah. Um, but you're right in the sense that this was not for you. It was for others to hear because every near death experience I've heard had a personal touch to it, meaning yeah. that you've gone off track. You need to come back on track. You can go. You can leave. Do you want to leave? Do you want to stay? Um, th- there's so much. Ma- yeah. There's things that you got to work out. Some people created a hell because she was Catholic and she had to go down and go through that and get saved. There's so many things, it's all personal. Yours is not personal at all. You are being, tu- you're, you basically took a tour of heaven and they're like, take some notes. You're gonna go back. This is basically yeah. why you're here. And it didn't seem like there was there was like nothing personal about your your experience, which is not a bad thing. It's just very unique in the, in the near-death experience. Oh, space.
0: before I forget, I wanna, I wanna tell your audience one more thing. This just made me want to cry. All of our animals make the transition just like we do. Sure. And and when we get back, they're all there and we never have to lose them again. You know, all of your animals, your cats, your dogs, whatever animals you have, they're there. And that's that was something I thought was just extraordinary. They have
1: heard that as well uh, from others. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, maybe you have the answer to this, maybe you don't but you were saying that everyone's you know if you want to learn you can evolve on that side it's just slower and again i've heard that from multiple people um both spiritual Yo, both spiritual gurus and near death experiencers who say that you can learn on the other side but it's kind of like you know you can't really know what swimming is until you jump into the water i can talk i can yeah. tell you all about swimming but jumping in you got to jump in and swim Yep. And I heard one one near-death experiencer – it was actually a pre-birth experiencer. So he actually oh. remembers his pre, pre-birth, like the setup to going into his life, like the whole yeah. laying out the plan or the whole thing. And he said that I, he remembers as himself as a soul running into another soul and saying, holy God, what are you doing? You look – like kind of like, like you met somebody who went to the gym a lot. He's like, my God, you look amazing. How would you lose all that weight? What are you doing? <laughs> And yeah. the, the other soul said, oh, I went to earth. And he's like, man, I want that. Where can I sign up to go down to earth? And he's yeah. like, it ain't easy, brother. So make sure you be careful what you But <laughs> You can learn a lot yeah. when you're down there. And that's how he started is one of, the, one of the memories he had from past lives. So it was really interesting. Now, but you're saying on the other side, um, you can learn and grow. And if you're interested in stuff, but you really evolved down here from – My studies in ancient Vedic texts and and things like that and yogic philosophies where you evolve to a certain place like Jesus or Buddha or ascended masters get to a certain place. Is that the point of being on the other side or you have to come down here to obviously ramp up and like supercharge your evolution when you're down on earth or in any physical experience? But earth is the biggest – apparently the Yale and Harvard – of this experience. Do people want to evolve past a certain place or they just wanna just chill and enjoy paradise?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. People, they don't have to have a lifetime if they don't want to. Right. It's All of it is completely and totally up to them. Nobody has to have a life anywhere. In fact, what they told me was that there are many who have been incarnated on earth, but they've gone to other planets. Mm -hmm. but you don't have to in the, in the place that that he took me to, it was, it was almost like being on a college campus. You know how all the buildings are in one area on a campus. Mm -hmm. That's, that was kind of like what my experience felt like. You had this building where you did this, you had this building where you did that. You have this room was where the library is. This is where the planetarium is. But yeah, nobody has to come in if they don't want to. It's just a matter of experience. And and. What I've learned in my life, and I think this is why people choose to come here, is you really do learn the most when you go through something painful. Because oh. and, I, and I and I think you know, have I ever learned anything when everything was going perfect? You probably still learn, but if you go through something, you know, you go through a divorce or you have a breakup or you lose a job or you know you lose a family member that's horrible but when you get to the other side of the grief you've become more than what you were before and you can take that knowledge with you there was um a great quote that i i just love from denzel washington and he said you'll never see a hearse or you, you'll never see a u-haul yeah. behind a hearse yeah i say that and I, yeah and i i just love that because no matter what you have in your life whether it's yeah. Money or things or possessions—none of that. You don't, you don't take anything with you. The only thing you take with you is the love, the the knowledge, the learning, and that stays with you. So I just thought, you know, it it, it is worth it to come into life to learn. And once you get on the other side of the grief, you've become more, and that's that's the purpose for it. And and did
1: and were so did your parents and your friends, when you started talking like this, what happened?
0: Like, did they accept it? Did they not accept it? I to this day, I still haven't told my dad, but my mom. I'm assuming he knows. I mean, you're public at this point. He might. I don't know. But I, I know that he wouldn't he wouldn't believe it. Sure. Because he is he is such a staunch Catholic. And that's that's fine. Maybe maybe one day. I'll be able to share it with him. He's just—he's not at a point now where, because he still goes to church. He goes to Catholic church probably two or three times a week still, and then on Sunday. Sure. But my mom, my mom knows all about it. People I have told, a lot of people will tell me that, you know, there's, there's no reason why they don't believe my story. But there are a lot of people who don't. A lot of people say sure. it, it, it can't be as good as you portrayed it. And I tell people it's better. It, it's so much better than how I can describe it. You know, I don't even have the words to describe what it was really like. But most people, most people, question what happens after death. It's the number one human fear sure. is dying. I think there. I think the number. I think the two number or the the two public places, speaking. And, public speaking. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Public, yeah, public speaking is number one, actually and yeah. then there's a fear of dying. <laughs> yeah exactly so, so I, I think a lot of people it, it's something that they think about you know of what happens when we die so my story i i just always shared it and, and most people are really open to it because they they want to know too what happens
1: right and that's that you know ever since i opened up this channel and i've started talking to you know souls like yourself and and all the other people that i have on the show People are super curious and more so now than they yeah. were in the eighties.
0: Oh yeah. Or in the nineties.
1: So there's so much more openness about, you know, in the 80s it was near basically Shirley McClain talking about near death experiences. Yes. And she was yep. and she was, you know, pretty much she's the whack job. She's a Hollywood whack job is what they were calling yeah. her back then. She yep. took a big leap doing that for a lot of people mm-hmm. and kind of brought it into and then Oprah did a whole lot of work on bringing near-death experiencers and channelers and mediums. These ideas that were really taboo almost. And now yeah. people not only are curious about it, they're searching for these shows. They're searching to hear it. And really interesting thing about what you said about your father um, is the ideas that he has basically built, his, his story that he's told himself – is the foundation of his entire existence. If he would even entertain the idea of what you're saying, it would destroy the foundation that he has built his entire life on. And exactly it would be so difficult for a human being to deal with, especially at, at an older age, it's so much harder. And that's where I, you know, when people you know comment or things like that on on episodes that I do, it's like when you challenge their belief system. It's their foundation. It's what – that's what they've – the story they've told themselves to make sense of the world. And it could be religion. It could be politics. It could be uh, eating meat. It could be Mac yeah. or PC. It could, yeah. it could be anything. And that's why – I mean you saw the – I don't know if you're a Mac or a PC guy. But my god, people get really like – PC yeah. yeah. is the way. Mac is the way. like, And they go yeah. it because it's the foundation of their – it's one of the pillars of their foundation for whatever reason. It's, yep. it's, it's fascinating, but a lot of people listening, I want them to understand that, that if people around them don't get it, it's, that's the reason why.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, 100% agree. And I, I think my, my dad is, he, um, he's an old Marine, and he is very, very set in his ways. In fact, he, um, he always encourages me to, to go to the Catholic Church, He's always telling me that. Why don't you go? Why don't you go back to Catholic Catholic Church? So I know that he wouldn't be open to it yet. But I'm hoping one day maybe I'll be able to share it with him.
1: One day, one day. It's 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 everyone's on their own path, my friend. Everybody's yep. on their own path, and everyone's, you know. And and what's really fascinating, I'm, I'm sure you. I don't know if you've run into this or not, but people who even disagree with you, a seed is yeah. planted. Yes, it, it seeds planted and it might not flourish in this life, or it could five or ten years later because it starts to question. Yes. like you and I had the same. Same. I mean, I was raised Catholic, so I'm recovering Catholic, and uh, <laughs> and uh, the same questions I had that didn't make sense: the fearful God, the you know, thirty years of what happened to Jesus. Uh, you know, yeah. born, yada yada yada. He's you know, the the savior. Yeah, what, what what happened in the yada yada yada? These basic understandings were questions that I had. And I and it, all those little questions started those are little seeds. Yep. Eventually they overtook yep. the garden and I was like, this doesn't make any sense for me anymore. Now I need to find a new foundational system that rings true to myself. But and, and for everyone listening as well, I mean, you John, you don't have a book, you don't have a website, you don't have anything. You're just yeah. trying to you, if anything, you're putting yourself out there essentially to be ridiculed for no other reason than you just really want to share your story, and that's yeah. what I find so beautiful and authentic about it is that you truly have nothing to gain from this. Um, that's true. Yeah, you really don't. I mean, if anything, you open yourself up to ridicule and other things like that and attacks. But you my just really want to sh- you want to just share, share your story with people and yeah. give people hope and and understanding about what happens on the other side. So I do really appreciate you doing it, my friend.
0: Well, I am, I am so thankful that you guys selected me to come on your show. I've, I've had such a great time. And Alex, you are great at this. You are still good at this. You have great questions, and I your stories are wonderful. And thank you so much for inviting me.
1: I appreciate it. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask all my guests. Sure. Um, what is your definition of living a good life?
0: You know what? I think living a good life has to do with having family in your life. Because I've learned that you know, material things, materialism, it, none of that is important. The only thing that is important is the love you have with people, trying to make a difference with your life, trying to help people as much as you can, and being there for other people. The part about having pain, not only is pain teaching you, but you also have the opportunity to share it with others, to teach people what you have learned for you, from your pain to help make their lives a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I would answer that. Uh, how do you define God? That's a great question. And when I was on the other side, there absolutely is a God and the Native Americans call him the great spirit. And I, I think that's how I would define it too. He is he's absolutely there. He is, we were all created by God in one spark of creation so he's he's definitely there and god is the only the only emotion that i can really explain is that he is all love god is all love and he wants the best for us and he created the other side our home with an absolute paradise but also created the whole dynamic of being able to come into a lifetime and to experience things that you can't experience on the other side. So he's all about love, all about experience, all about learning. And he's he's just this ever-present, and on the other side, you feel this tremendous sense of love and safety and peace. That's why it was so hard for me to, to come back from that, because I wanted to be back there. I, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to be here anymore. But I got, I got the sense that I had to make, I had to share my story because of what they told me. But that's how, that's how I would define God, just a, a beautiful entity that is truly our Father. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? I think the ultimate purpose of life is to Count. To stand for something, to develop your gift, because I truly believe that God gave us all gifts, and that our job is to develop those gifts. And then, I always think of Pablo Picasso, the artist. He, um, yeah, he he said something that I, I've never forgotten. He said, "Life." is to find your gift. And the purpose of life is to give it away. So I I think just based on that, I agree with them 100%. Find your gift, develop it, share it with the world, and make the world a better place for you having been in it. And do you have any parting messages
1: for the audience?
0: I think the biggest thing I want people to take away is that there is tremendous, tremendous hope. No matter how hard your life gets, no matter how many experiences you have, and and even when you think that you've reached the end of your rope, just tie a knot and hold on, because it's gonna get better. It always gets better. And let the knowledge of God and the other side give you strength and give you courage to keep plugging along. Because when you finish this lifetime and you get back, it's like surviving a war. And you will be so proud of yourself for what you accomplished and what you achieved. So stick it out, don't give up, give it everything you've got. And the hope is just boundless. There was a, a quote that I liked too by Admiral, Admiral William McRaven. You've probably heard of them. And he said, hope is the belief that tomorrow is going to be better. And it will be. And knowing about the other side, knowing about how beautiful it is, that that's our home. That that will give you courage to keep facing each and every day and moving forward.
1: And on that note, my friend, I appreciate you. Uh, coming on the show, sharing your knowledge and doing the good work that you've been doing all these years since since you had your near-death experience. Again, I appreciate you so, so much for coming on the show, my friend. Thank you again.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Alex. I had a great time. Thank you.